The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Central City Citizen, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, March 17th, 2022, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dimitri Rujasinger. What's happening, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Well, let's jump into our discussion of Season 8, Episode 7, which was titled Lockdown and aired on March 16th. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When a criminal invades the CCPD, Barry and Kramer must trust and rely on each other if they are going to make it out safely. Meanwhile, Caitlin learns a valuable lesson while out with Snow and Mark. That color is snow rather than frost. Anyway, I did. That was the. That's what it says in the official uh, synopsis. Uh, so it's perhaps official. there's a quiet rebranding going on. Okay, so uh, getting to the episode itself. At Star Labs, Chester's on monitor duty, and it's a slow day. He's about to step away to get something to eat when Allegra shows up with lunch, and they have an awkward flirtatious exchange that's cut short when alarms start going off as three petty crimes are happening. Jeff, they're foregrounding the adorable, awkward relationship between Chester and Allegra right at the beginning of the episode. We get that, you know, uh, uh, that reminder that, hey, this is a ship that's going on. Are you on board this ship? What do you feel about them in this episode? Can I just say, this was an episode full of ships. Like, apparently, I needed to get tickets for all the ships, maybe, to, to, to be able to watch this episode. I believe you they know, brought the writers from Riverdale in to uh, uh, write this episode. Exactly, to amp up the romance. Um, you know what? I actually didn't mind them. And they have sort of been teasing them with the lightest of touch, you know, throughout the past... I don't know now, maybe season and a half, at least definitely last season. I don't remember if they were kind of slightly flirtatious-ish sort of in the previous season, but definitely last season. And uh, this one was a little bit heavier on the hand of adorableness and flirtatiousness and, you know, oh, well, a date and, you know, oh, I brought you food and, oh, you know what I like. Like it was it was a lot but it was done in a cutesy kind of way, so I didn't mind it. I do think that they have a little bit of chemistry, and uh, they're they're sort of uh, writing into that or, or playing into that, however you want to say it. Uh, so for me, it worked. It's just it was a little strange because I feel like we haven't seen any sort of thing in regards to them and in, re- in regards to the romance and that sort of thing in a while so it just seemed incredibly heavy but still in an adorable kind of way flash deals with the three criminals quickly but when he drops them off the ccpd captain kramer is not happy flash hasn't gone through the channels or filed the necessary paperwork and kramer who let's face it 
does have a pretty good resting pissed off face. He is pissed off. Uh-huh. Barry vents to Cecile and Joe, who point out that he had it easy before because he could keep his relations with the police and the DA in the family. But Joe and Cecile are both out of the picture. Dimitri, this is an angle of the superhero we don't always see. You know, you catch the bad guys and you turn them over the cops, but they haven't followed the due process. They haven't read them the Miranda rights. They haven't really done any of that stuff that they're supposed to do if you're a cop. So what do you think about that conflict coming out in The Flash, sort of this late in the run of the show? It's interesting. It highlights a very unique situation in The Flash, which is that, you know, for a while, Barry's father or adoptive father basically, you know, was in the police force. So, um, and knowing that Barry was The Flash, you know, they could coordinate getting whatever they need. I'm a little surprised that Papa Joe is still resigned from the police force. I kind of thought he would come back. But I guess they're leaning into the fact that he's, like, perma-retired. Um, so with Kramer now in charge, um, I do think this is kind of a, a situation that a lot of other superhero arcs tackle early on, whether I guess the most classic example is, you know, Jim Gordon and Batman, um, where, you know, they have to establish some sort of, you know, tenuous understanding where, you know, um, maybe the superhero isn't going to reveal anything, um, everything, I mean, but, you know, they have to sort of get on the same page with law enforcement. Um, in, uh, in some superhero arcs, you know, we see that the superhero maybe doesn't necessarily trust the law enforcement or, you know, the, you know, supervillains have people in law enforcement. That's kind of why the superhero does what he does. Um, because this is the flash, I knew knew, knew Barry was going to reveal his secret identity by the end of the episode because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's his trademark uh, thing. He, I mean, you know, I don't know why he bothers with the mask at this point, but uh, but I, I do think, you know, um, it brought up a new way to, you know, not only um, take the Flash into fresh territory, but also um, allows us to to get to know Kramer in a new way. You know, she's you know no longer the the sort of meta hating. Um, Actually, Dimitri, cop. put a pin in that because I do want to visit the, uh, the development of Kramer's character uh, a little okay. bit later. Okay. So let's not uh, uh, repeat ourselves. Uh, Barry does all the missing paperwork, but Kramer just says, "What about next time when a gas bomb goes off?" Uh, taking down all the cops at CCPD. When they come to, each one's wearing a meta damper, and they're being held hostage by Goldface. Goldface! The song doesn't work that way. Jeff, we haven't seen Goldface in a while. Uh, I was happy to find he and Aminette Black are still a thing, because I love those two together. How did you like his return? You know what? I loved Goldface in this episode. And I don't remember if I fully loved Goldface the previous couple of times. I know I did like him with Amunet Black. Uh, maybe, I don't remember if I enjoyed him the first time. Um, that was, feels like 10,000 years ago. But uh, I loved him in this episode. He was menacing, but incredibly, redonkulously campy at the same time. And I don't know how you mix both of those styles together, but Goldface did it in a spectacular kind of way. We always talk about actors having fun in their roles. You can tell Damien Poitier is having fun as Goldface, a ridiculously named character, 
but such a spectacular character in this episode. I really enjoyed the return of Goldface, and much like you, Professor, because I enjoy me some Ms. Black, uh, the fact that he's still with her, and she wasn't there, but her presence was felt, was uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Absolutely. He's uh, he, he's sort of nailed what you need for a Flash villain to be, which is maybe not quite as goofy as we're on Legends of Tomorrow. But the Flash, when it's successful, it's when it's got the lighter touch, when it starts taking itself too seriously, when it starts seeing itself as the successor to Arrow, that's when the Flash stops being as successful. And I think having, you know, whether even if it's just a meta of the week, they did a lot with Goldface that will talk a, a little bit about later. Um, but yeah, I thought he, he totally like from his first scene, you know, nailed it, you know, refer to the shared history, refer to Amunet Black. So, you know, establishing that, you know, these are not just, you know, weekly fill-ins. These are people who are part of the uh, expanded flash universe. And, and I love the fact that, uh, that we're bringing some of them back and, and showing new facets to them. Uh, earlier in the episode, we got Chester and Allegra showing off Chester's new drone to his online fans, which I thought was a nice reminder of Chester's origin story, because that was how we first met Chester as sort of this online streaming tech guru. Um, but Caitlin accidentally crashes the live stream to complain that Frost and Mark are having too much fun together. Things get even worse when Caitlin and her boring but nice date Marcus, Mark and Marcus, the two people, hmm, interesting, isn't oh. that? Uh, end up accidentally double dating with Frost and Mark at a dingy Irish bar. Dimitri, you love Caitlin, but you hate Mark and Frost almost equally with a, the intensity of a thousand white hot suns. So how do you feel about how they introduced the long simmering issue of Caitlin's love life and contrast with what was happening with her sister, Frosty? It was idiotic. Um, it was oh. the worst. It was horrible, which was such a shame because honestly, I did think, you know, the, the main storyline of the episode brought the Flash into genuinely fresh territory, which I shit on the writers a lot. I'm, I'm going to shit on them a lot in this episode. But I do think that they successfully brought the Flash into new territory with this episode, which admittedly is a hard thing to do after this many seasons. But the storyline with Killer Frost and Chilblain and Caitlin and Marcus was terrible it's another example of you know forcing a storyline without any of the build-up without any um you know how did we get here i i didn't even remember caitlin's boyfriend did he appear on an episode before they mentioned him in the previous episode and that's pretty much it i kind of feel like it's the same guy that was referenced that um uh oh gosh alex danvers talked about during Armageddon, but then Armageddon stuff didn't happen because, you know, he went back in time. Like, so I'm very confused by that. A fun little fact, though, a little Easter egg. Remember when we were watching Armageddon and they were in the future at Thawne and Iris's wedding and there was that man that was there and we were like, who is that man? And why did no one address him? And why was he there dressed up fancy like everybody else that we know? That was Marcus. Oh, interesting. So, yes. Um, anyway, it turns out Goldface is after the anti-meta bullets so he can sell them, but Kramer refuses to tell them where they are and says she will not put the city's meta at risk. So, meta's at risk. So, it's a nice change for Kramer from last season. 
Gold face attacks Barry to change your mind. Dimitri, uh, I mentioned we were going to talk about this, uh, you know, uh, and we'll, we'll revisit it throughout. But how are you liking Kramer this season compared with last season? And how do you think they're moderating her character from last year? Because she's, she's pretty different from what we saw about a year ago. Yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, removing her sort of quote unquote villain arc um, allows her to also become a more three dimensional character. You know, we see. She's still slightly at odds with the Flash, but in a very understanding way, uh, in, a, in a very understandable way, rather. She, you know, she's the one who has to pick up the pieces while he just, you know, zooms in and zooms back out, which is something I definitely can appreciate. So um, I do think this is the episode where we got to maybe the most sympathetic uh, take of Kramer as someone who, you know, has to run an unfamiliar, you know, precinct, um, has to deal with the fact that, you know, she's got to work with an undercover vigilante, um, and has to sort of, you know, balance the two and do the best job she can and has an has a level of accountability that the Flash just doesn't have. So um, I do think seeing um, her and Barry navigate that was was kind of fresh um seeing Barry you know constantly apologetic about uh you know being late and stuff you know is is a friendly reminder that he does allegedly have a job even though we never see him doing it um and i think you know that adds dimension to his character as well that you know he's not just the flash full time he does have this job with CCPD um and seeing her sort of navigate this um you know, shows that, you know, obviously we, we didn't have the best introduction to her, but she is someone who genuinely wants to help, genuinely wants to do the right thing. And, you know, she's willing to work with the Flash. She's not someone who's like, I'm going to bring the Flash to justice. So I I do think this was a great episode for Kramer's character and actually a pretty decent episode for Barry's character. It was, uh, it, those two arcs, I think, were so memorable that it's kind of a shame that uh, the Frosty couple had to make an appearance in this episode. Well, I'll take that segue to point out that back at the CD bar, we check in on our double daters, and it's as cringeworthy as you might expect, at least for Caitlin and obviously for Dimitri, because honestly, everyone else in the group seems to be having fun, even Marcus. Uh, Jeff, how did you like the subplot, and how do you think it develops Caitlin's character? Dimitri's said what he thinks about it. Yes. Well, we already knew how he was going to feel about it. I read a tweet about him that said, uh, I hate Killer Frost. What could make me hate her more? Hearing her sing, which was spectacular. Although you did stop live tweeting at some point, Dimitri. So I thought maybe you died because you hated the episode so much. Like the episode killed you. But anywho, uh, let me get back to the subject at hand. Okay. I actually understand where Demetrius coming from. Like he, he clearly has a hatred for killer frost and for Mark and that sort of thing. But so, so I, I do agree though with the general premise of what he was saying that this feels like it came out of nowhere. This whole concept of Caitlin needs to move on, I guess from Ronnie or, or she needs to, you know, think about herself and she needs to put herself out there and she needs to date and all that kind of stuff really seems to have come 
out of nowhere. And, and so that's what makes this storyline a little bit odd. I feel like we had a tiny, like tiny, like the tiniest panko crumb morsels over the past handful of episodes where they've briefly, lightly, in a minuscule kind of way, discussed Caitlin dating and going out there. And then all of a sudden, last episode, we had a reference to this Marcus dude, and now we actually meet him. And it looks like they're kind of a little bit more, not serious, but it looks like they've been dating for a moment. And so it just seems a little odd and shoehorned in. Interestingly enough, um, they did the opposite approach with Kate, not Caitlin, sorry, with Killer Frost and uh, Mark. You know, we've seen Mark a whole bunch of times, whether you like Chill Blaine or not. Uh, you know, we've seen him a bunch of times. We've seen them go from, you know, uh, lust and uh, flirtation to kind of hatred because they're on opposite sides and then they unite again and now they're together and they seem to be stronger than ever. So we've had a little bit more time with that relationship than Caitlin's. So I don't know, it just, it seems a little off. I didn't mind Frost and Mark. I actually think they have really good chemistry and I thought, uh, you know, I think they work really well together. Um, the whole Caitlin situation, I don't know if, Professor, if, if you're also sort of, if you were feeling a little weird about it, just because it seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere. And we didn't really, I don't know, I, I don't really understand why they had to go this route with this um, storyline. It just, it seemed uh, out of left field for Caitlin. You see, I don't think it's as out of left field as as you guys do, uh, simply because, you know, if you think back, you know, we've, we've joked about, you know, dating Caitlin is, you know, means you're going to die, yes. um, you know, but on that the was show. Way so, back I in mean, season three, though, I feel like we haven't talked about she hasn't killed anyone in a while, but she hasn't dated anyone in a while. That I mean, true. I think Tom Fenton was the last survivor and who knows what his current status is. Yes, um, I think that, that I think and again, a little bit of this might be headcanon. But when you think about, you know, last season, a big arc of it was Caitlin, you know, learning to accept her sister and, you know, uh, accept killer frost not just a part of herself but as a you know as, as an entity on her own and then feeling she had a sister for the first time uh and then finding her sister has gone off and is dating some guy that she doesn't approve of um i think that can you know uh, spur a sense in herself of well my sister's going off and seems really happy what am i doing i think there could be you know a a, a better um you know justification for that than you guys are giving it that I don't think it necessarily comes out of nowhere. I think, you know, I mean, A, Caitlin's been really busy, you know, with work and Team Flash. You know, she's not as busy these days. And she's got time to start thinking about herself. And if she sees that her sister is off having fun and skydiving, doing all these crazy things and in love, and she's not, I think that can lead to a sense of loss uh, or a sense of, of absence that maybe it's seeing Killer Frost being so happy uh, that is prompting Caitlin to go, oh, wait, maybe I'm not as happy as I could be. Maybe I am missing something. So I think there's a little more. Now, I agree with you that the writers have done a great job of fleshing that out, but I think uh, that there is a justification for it uh, based on okay. what we saw of, uh, of Caitlin Frost's development uh, last season. I actually like that explanation a lot, Professor. Thanks. 
Uh, Barry convinces Goldface to take him to the lab to make a dark matter detector to find the missing bullets. And as if I didn't already like Goldface enough, and as we've established, I did, when Amunet calls him, he's got Pat Benatar as the ringtone. I love the phone scene with Amunet. It was adorable. And I know Jeff enjoyed this. Dr. Sharon Finkel even got a little shout out before Goldfish, 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 Goldface called out one of his crew for not knowing Moby Dick. It just, again, the writing of it, the performance of it, I, I personally love this. Not to spoil uh, where Dimitri's going to go, but Dimitri, I asked Jeff earlier Wait, about can Gold I just Base. give a little quick little shout out? His crew member, that that guy that we saw the most outside of like the other hench people that just dressed up as the CCPD, his crew member was fantastic. I don't think we saw him before, so I hope, you know, if we ever see Gold Face again, I hope he comes back. Oh, yeah, he was. he Yeah. And again, he wasn't given a lot to do. He was a bit like the uh, the one talking cop at the CCPD. But, you know, what he was given to play with, he he was having a lot of fun. Uh, but Dimitri, uh, I asked Jeff earlier about Goldface, played by Damien uh, Poitier. Uh, how did you like him in this episode? And how did you like this scene with Barry in particular? It was played, you know, a little bit for laughs, but, you know, there's a little bit of heart there as well. Um, I thought the, the scene with uh, Aminette, the phone, all of that was a little forced. This is a campy show, but it, it kind of seemed like they were trying too hard to be cute there, um, and I, I could have lived without it. I will give him points for being menacing. I think we haven't really seen him be that menacing before, but the way he sort of um, choreographed the uh, the attacks with the chain and, you know, having the chain sort of wind around Barry's neck and stuff... Um, you know, there was a sense that, you know, Barry's really in danger. The uh, cop who finally got a name, Corber, um, who we see all the time, was also genuinely in danger. Um, and there's something cool about, you know, taking a chain off your neck, effortlessly flicking it, and, you know, having it wind around someone's neck. Um, it's, uh, I feel like there's quite a bit you could do with this supervillain. Um, and he's maybe a little underused, I felt, after this episode. Um, I I did think, you know, the the serious aspects of his character were actually well done. And I almost wish they had skipped the Aminette storyline because it seemed like they were trying a little too hard to be, you know, the campy show there. Well, it was continuity. You know, they're in a romance that was established in the previous episode in which uh, Goldface was there. And can I just say, Professor, for a moment I was watching the episode last night, I was like, are you the new Caitlin? Because you give this woman who had no name the MVP last week, and it looked like she was about to die in, in the episode. I was like, it's the Professor. Hey, but she survived. She did. I, w- I would say I would think that she has, you know, plot armor, uh, you know, as one of the few characters who gets to speak. But, you know, at the end of Batwoman last season, they did kill the only uh, new journalist in Gotham yes. City, so no one is safe. Yeah, listeners, back there's a gig bar. available in Gotham if you're. Yeah, interested. back at the bar, Caitlin and Mark have a heart to heart, and Caitlin has to realize she's been self sabotaging and projecting on Frost and Mark. Uh, meanwhile, Barry and Kramer have escaped from Goldface. They talk it out, and Kramer reveals she's frightened by her powers. In fact, she's terrified because she can't control them. Uh, and again, a little bit of character development there for uh, for um, uh, Kramer. Uh, meanwhile, Goldface threatens to kill the only CCPD cop who ever gets to speak. Did we even know her name was uh, Kroeber before? No. I don't think so. With a K. Uh, and Kramer steps up. 
Yes, with a K, yes. And uh, Kramer steps up to attack Goldface. Now, we've talked, uh, I asked Dimitri about this earlier, Jeff. We've talked about Kramer's development. Uh, so, Jeff, how did you like her development overall uh, from last season in this episode and uh, this scene with Barry where she's confessing to her fears? You know what? I was I honestly actually... expecting him to reveal his secret identity in this scene. I mean, we all, I agree with Dimitri. We all knew it was going to happen sometime in the episode. I thought it would be here, but, you know, Barry showed rare restraint. Yes, well, we are of two like minds because I thought he was going to do it at that moment as well. I was like, come on, Barry. Like, this lady's pouring her heart out to you. Like, you know you want to tell her. Like, you've told other people for less. Like, you are, you're like, you know, making this woman sweat. Like, just tell her. But he didn't. But I will echo everything that's been said about Kramer because I remember not liking her in the beginning. No, I remember sort of liking her in the beginning, then not liking her, then sort of liking her, but then she disappointed me. And then I ended up liking her, but I really loved her in this episode. I thought they did a really good job with this character in this episode. They softened her a little bit, but she was still hella tough, which was fantastic. Um, I loved that she opened up to Barry. It, it, it was it just made sense. And uh, her needing to talk to Flash outside of just the sort of the bureaucracy of the police department and, you know, all that kind of stuff outside of that, you know, it, it made like the urgency that she had at the start of the episode, like, oh, you know, I really wish I had a lifeline with the Flash and this and that, the other. It made sense. And uh, I thought she played it really well. I thought Grant Gustin as Barry Allen played it really well. I thought they worked beautifully together. They were pretty much paired up together uh, for the majority of the episode. And uh, I, I just love Kramer. Like, talk about a character that has grown so much, such incredible character development over the course of the... Um, I don't know how long she's been here, a uh, season and a half, maybe almost two seasons. I feel like she was introduced midway through, not last season, but the previous season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like we've been with this character for a moment, and she has had an incredible amount of character development. I just absolutely loved Kramer this episode. Yeah, we often talk about, you know, the notion of redemption arc for, uh, for you know, characters who are antagonistic and you know kramer was as antagonistic as you get if you think back to when she was first introduced she was the uh the badass the uh you know the the hard ass the the difficult uh person who was there to you know shut down the metas and oppose uh team flash and uh mm -hmm. uh and and uh and and take away frost powers which you know dimitri obviously was a fan of that yes. but and she was going um, after Papa Joe. Know, and yes perhaps even worse than that she opposed Papa Joe and led to Papa Joe quitting his job. Um, so I, I, you know, if you're asking, you know, someone who forced Papa Joe out, can that person ever be redeemed? Uh, I was a little bit astonished, but, but like you delighted. And, and we will talk just a little bit more about that because we do get uh, uh, the reveal of that. Uh, so Barry breaks free using a vice and a screwdriver, races away before the explosion, then makes short work of Goldface, Ahab and the crew. Uh, Goldface's phone goes off again. Just to remind us, I think, he wasn't there just as a baddie of the week. I think he was there making a point about relationships. Now, you might disagree with me, uh, but uh, Jeff and Dimitri, 
if you agree that maybe there was a little bit more to him than just being a fun meta of the week, maybe the idea was to, you know, plant a little seed with the listeners or with the viewers, I should say, that, you know, the importance of relationships, the importance of a partnership. He was talking about how much stronger he is, you know, working uh, with uh, uh, with Amunet, uh, you know, and all of that. If that's true, do you think he was there to play off the Caitlin relationship storyline? Was he there to play off Chester and Allegra? Or do you think maybe this was something Barry needed to hear? Yeah, I, when he said that, when he had that sort of little monologue about relationships, I was like, okay, this is the writers sort of giving Barry the idea that he needs a partnership with Kramer, which at the end of the day makes sense. I mean, let's be real. Papa Joe. You need to always listen to Papa Joe, everybody, because he basically said the same shit at the start of the episode. And we know that Barry is hardheaded, uh, you know, much like many of the titular heroes on the CW. So it took him a moment to understand it. But when he heard it again, I think that's what really clicked, sort of, because he did, he did kind of have to. Well, it clicked. So, uh, so yes, I do agree that that was like a little bit of uh, a learning moment for uh, Barry. But it was done in a really nice way. Like, they used Goldface to the max in this episode in every way possible, and all of it was spectacular. It's interesting you say that. Uh, Dimitri, before I uh, weigh in, did you have anything you wanted to say uh, about that? Do you agree with Jeff? Um, I think I agree with both of you that he was definitely there to sort of pass on a message. I, I think it was poorly done. Um, <sighs> I I think you know um, it's it's another example of forced writing where it's very like on the nose. Like you see, you see how this character needs to learn a lesson about this relationship. Well, look at this character who understands said leash said lesson about relationships like it it's so um so flat uh i didn't like it um and and like i said i I think you know obviously it's meant to be like a little bit ridiculous a little bit funny it is the flash but i do think like him as a serious character was so well done that i i kind of wish they hadn't introduced the camp element to his character because, you know, it, it kind of undermined the, the good work that I think was done in the other direction. Um, okay, I, I, I kind of disagree with Jeff here oh. in that I don't think it was about Barry establishing a relationship or a, a partnership with Kramer. I think this is setting up something longer term regarding his relationship with Iris. Oh... I, I, I really think and I think, you know, the idea of, you know, even, you know, somewhat jokingly invoking, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, the psychotherapist. What's her name? Uh, Dr. Finkelstein or Finkel, uh, Dr. Sharon Finkel. I, I, I feel like there's there's a lot more. There's a big shoe waiting to drop. And we will talk about what happens at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Iris was conspicuous by her absence throughout the episode. And I'm wondering whether there is going to be some sort of, you know, 
uh, big element of that. And, and I think that, that I, I honestly think that that was a much more important. Obviously, it's a more important relationship to to Barry than simply, you know, getting along with Kramer. Um, but, yeah, my feeling was that they were setting that up that uh, especially when Barry was sort of listening in on the conversation, you know, earlier in the episode. It, it seems to me that they're they're setting up something there. But I could be wrong, but it seems to me that there is something there. For a half a second, I thought they were going to be referencing that, that I thought all of that stuff was going to be referencing sort of, you know, something that was going to trigger Barry to think about Iris. But then I thought to myself, I was like, but they have a really good partnership already. So it seemed like the shift, or at least in my mind, it shifted to Kramer. Because I was like, Barry and Iris, they have a good partnership. I mean, they work well together as a team already. You know, she's there, you know, supporting Team Flash. You know, sometimes she's had powers and she's, you know, been there by Barry's side. So it, it I didn't feel like it would, it was that. But Professor, if that turns out to be true, because the Professor has dropped some prophetic nuggets in the past, uh, then props to you for catching that. Well, and I agree with you. My my first thought, because when I was thinking about it, I was saying, well, this seems like an obvious sort of, you know, setting that. But you're right. You know, Barry and Iris do have a good relationship. I just feel that there's there's something there. It just didn't feel like, you know, uh, a casual little thing. And, and unlike Dimitri, I don't think it was done just for the humor or the camp effect. I think they were they were placing that uh, for setting up something to do with, uh, with Iris, you know, because we did get, you know, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, at the end of the episode, but before we get to that, let's uh, wrap up the other stuff. Uh, Caitlin opens up to frost, uh, and their next double date will apparently be roller derby. And of course, Barry inevitably reveals his secret identity to Kramer. What a shock. I did, however, like the fact that she got him with the old, yeah, I figured out genius. Uh, and Barry's reaction was priceless. And, we actually got to see Kramer sort of smiling at him, which is a look that I don't recall seeing with Kramer in the past season and a half or two seasons. Uh, Dimitri, uh, Barry once again has his personal connection to the CCPD. Uh, the, the boss knows who he is, who he, can, who, uh, he can contact her, she can contact him. Is this a satisfying ending or is this a cop-out? It's, you know, it's a satisfying ending. It's very on brand for this show. You know, uh, Barry's secret identity is sort of basically televised. But I almost wish they'd gone another direction just because it would have been interesting seeing a little bit of the energy we saw, you know, in season one where Iris doesn't know that Barry is the Flash and he has to sort of navigate, you know, how he feels about her trying to keep her safe and, you know, protecting the city as the Flash. So um, I, it was obviously going to happen. It was so obvious from basically the start of this episode. But I I do kind of wish that they had maybe played with the secrecy a little longer. I, uh, I think I agree, though, that I, I really love the fact that she beat him to the punch. That was a nice sort of, um, you know, flip on the storyline. It's like, yeah, I know it's you. Like, it's it's obvious. Uh, you know, I was standing on the street one of the million other times you just ripped your mask off in public. Um, so I, I get that, you know, it kind of fits with the feel of the show. Um, and I get that, you know, it's easier for Barry to sort of do his brand of justice if he has this personal sort of cutesy uh, relationship with, you know, someone in law enforcement, um, I'm interested to see where their dynamic goes because obviously 
while she doesn't have an antagonistic relationship with the Flash anymore, she is not someone who's going to put up with as much of his shit as Joe did. You know, she's, I think, you know, still something of a hard ass when it comes to her job. So it'll be interesting to see how those two navigate their relationship. And I think there's an opportunity to navigate a fresh dynamic here. And I hope the writers don't squander that. I hope they really do establish a fresh feeling dynamic between Barry and Kramer and consequently Barry and the CCPD. In the stinger, we finally get some Iris rocking an amazing silk shirt and a fantastic color. Uh, she and Joe are just finishing dinner when hot on the heels of last week's introduction of the brush bandit. We apparently get the first appearance of the fork fiend as Iris's fork disappears, followed by the entire meal. So, I mean, cleanup was easy, but then Joe walks in and Iris realizes something is seriously wrong because he's walked in from a different direction, apparently from a different time. Just to make sure the audience also realizes that something's gone wrong, her eyes glow green. And as we've long established on this podcast, nothing that grows, glows green is ever good news in the Arrowverse. Uh, Jeff and Dimitri, I'll throw this open to the floor. Uh, we speculated last week something was up with Iris after the brush disappeared in a green glow. Any further thoughts on what's happening? Do we have any better sense of, of what's going on? Dimitri, you can go first. She's your girl. Oh, I mean, uh, all I can say is she looks beautiful even with green eyes, but honestly, I have no idea. Um, but I will say, you know, as far as things go in a show that, you know, usually telegraphs everything from a mile away, I do appreciate, you know, a little bit of a slow buildup where we're seeing, you know, these green flashes, you know, some anticipation is building with regard to whatever this, you know, overarching story is. Clearly it's the time sickness, which is, you know, just the most generic name for what she's going through, because how long has she been going through this? I feel like, like all of last season, at least since the forces arc, maybe, uh, I don't even know. When did this start? It feels like it's been going on for a thousand years and we have still little to no information on what Iris is experiencing outside of the fact that she had to disappear with Dion, uh, one of her children. And, uh, you know, she's, she has a time sickness, um, whatever that is. Uh, so I'm assuming this is a side effect to that question mark, unless it's something more nefarious. Um, part of me is like, and this would flip out some of the Iris haters from the internet uh, is Iris going to be getting powers? And, and is this, you know, sort of like the manifestation of a powered up, or dare I say, I'm not even going to say it, but the L word, the L-U word that they love to say, which they actually did say in the episode. Um, is she going to be what L-U? What word are you thinking? It's level two up. words, level up. Yeah, leveled up. Oh, oh. I didn't want to I say it. Up at first. When he said the L word, I assumed Iris is a lesbian. Oh, Interesting plot twist at this when point in the show. When he said L-U, I was like, lubricated? What is going to happen? Because I, I, I said it a couple of episodes ago, and y'all were like, oh, God, why'd you say it? Because they say it so much, although they only said it once in this episode. But is Iris leveling up? Like, is she going to be powered? Which that might be interesting, which that could go back to what you were sort of alluding to, your prophetic little message, Professor, about, 
you know, partnerships. And it's always best, you know, when you're partnered up with the person you love and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's, I'm still confused. Like I need more information. I need more information on this time sickness. Like we need an actual name for it. We need symptoms. We need all that kind of stuff. Dion, where are you? Like give us all the information because we need a full download of what's going on with Iris West Allen. And I will co-sign with you, Professor, because we were discussing this before the podcast started. I don't know what shade of pink that is. Burnt pink. I'm sure it has an official name, but the costume designers or whatever you call them, the, yeah, the costume people that dress up the cast, they have figured out that that is one of the best colors to put on Candace Patton because she looked spectacular. Before we move on to our MVPs and grades for the episode, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention? Yes, I do. I'm raising my hand uh, because I didn't get the chance to chime in on two things. First of all, I, I, I figured you thought we had a bit of an icy response to the Caitlin stuff, so you didn't ask a question about it. But I will say, at the end of it all, it was a nice little moment for uh, Danielle Panabaker times two. I feel like Caitlin grew a bit based off of what happened. Uh, in an interesting sort of way, out of all the people, Mark was the one that gave her some advice, which showed that there's a little bit of a maturity in that character. So at the end of that storyline, even though for me it was slightly clunky, um, I, I did like that Caitlin was in a better place because I enjoy the character. And the Kramer thing, you know, we always hear she's a good cop. Joe said she's a good cop. She's a good cop. And so having her, you know, figure out that Barry was the Flash, I thought was a good moment as well. I co-signed that. Um, both of you were like, oh, my God, she was, you know, I'm glad that she did it first. I mean, she literally just found out, like, maybe 30 minutes before. So it's not like she had figured it out, like, you know, from the beginning. But it was still a nice little moment for her. And uh, I, I, as well, am very excited to see um, her getting trained, maybe, by Barry so that she can level up and uh i'm interested in seeing their dynamic uh because that's something that has been lacking ever since uh papa joe left ccpd okay it's time to choose the mvp say which character impressed you throughout the episode and why once a character's been chosen they cannot be selected again so choose wisely jeff you may go first um oh my god there's an embarrassment of riches um as much as i want to give it to my girl and i know that she will be represented by one of you i feel I'm going to go with Goldface. Uh, Damien Poitier was fan for Contastic this entire episode. Uh, so much fun, so much menace, uh, kind of cutesy with the whole Eminent Black situation. Uh, he almost killed Corber with a K. So props to him. Uh, what a return. Um, and uh, also props, I will say props to the writers, because I feel like at a certain point during The Flash, like... They had forgotten that they have these rogues out there, and uh, so we didn't really get as many recurring villains, and this isn't a villain that we need to see, you know, every week, but sprinkling him in, you know, maybe a couple times a season uh, would be a delight because he was fantastic in this episode. And Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? I feel bad because I feel like you would do this if I didn't. Um, but I feel like the MVP of this episode objectively just is Kramer. Yes. Um, you know, we've seen her in a much better light. 
we see her finally get some dimension to her character. Um, and I think the actress, you know, pulled it off well. Um, so, yeah, it's Kramer as MVP for me. Both of my uh, first two choices are, are off the board. There's still a number of, of good choices left. I'm going to go a little bit out of left field and pick someone I I'm usually am not a fan of, and that is Allegra. Um, I, I am I'm surprised by how much I'm enjoying the adorable energy between her and Chester. I was not a fan. I felt that they were sort of, you know, CW verse slamming together the two age appropriate uh, people, uh, you know, into a relationship that didn't make a lot of sense. But I'm liking how she's playing it. And what I really, really liked is the scene where Chester's doing his live stream and showing off the uh, the uh, the drone and she is doing prices right model hands towards it i just found that really really cute and again that's probably an actor's decision uh and i thought it was just you know again bringing out you know allegra has not has never been my favorite character uh but i'm really liking that they're bringing out you know this this adorkability factor she plays dungeons and dragons you know she's uh uh you know she's uh you know uh, she's a you know starting out as a journalist she's you know become a much more interesting character to me and i really liked her in this episode so how would you rate the episode on a scale of one to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive this episode in the Flash Museum. Uh, I'm going to go first, somewhat unusually, because I don't want uh, Dimitri to have the uh, the fun of shitting all over everything. <laughs> because I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this was as much fun as last week's episode. Very different. Uh, uh, unlike uh, you know, Dimitri, I did not hate the Caitlin stuff, as I say. I maybe this may be a headcanon on my part, but it felt to me like there was a reason for Caitlin reaching this point now, especially seeing her sister off being happy and being happy with someone that she doesn't approve of. Um, you know, perhaps this is, you know, a, a glimpse into my family life, but, you know, my siblings have dated people I haven't approved of either. Um, but no, I, I found this to be a very enjoyable, satisfying episode. Uh, and I loved uh, the Kramer development. I loved the return of uh, Goldface. Um, and I loved the uh, the Dr. Sharon Finkel uh, shout out. So I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Uh, Jeff, how would you rate this episode? You're going to have Dimitri go last. Well, I'm I you know, we're we're going to drop down to, you know, negative numbers. So, oh, OK. All right. Um, okay. So I will say this. Uh, for me, the, the sort of lowish point for the episode was the Caitlin stuff. But the professor, you actually kind of explained it in a way that I'm sort of reevaluating it in my mind. Everything else I thought was really spectacular. Um, I loved Goldface. Kramer was fantastic uh we didn't see uh iris throughout the episode until the end but the stinger was really really good all of the relationship stuff uh was interesting i'm loving allegra and uh chester together um they work really well together and uh, i really i'm actually liking i i know dimitri cover your ears but i like frost and mark I i think they are kind of cute together they have a really great uh, energy and chemistry that works for me and by the end of it I, I was really looking forward to Caitlin finally being happy um, interestingly enough I was going to give it an eight and a half but I think the professor talked me up to co-sign with you with the nine so I'm going to give it nine as well and- and Dimitri, if you are, you know, uh, as uh, Jeff was saying, you know, uh, you're liking uh, Mark and Frost together. Think about it. If they were dating other people, that would be four unhappy people rather than two. So, you know, the simple math of it makes it worthwhile. OK, Dimitri, bring us back down to Earth. How would you rate the episode? I'm going to give this a seven. Um, you know, 
I think at its core, this was a competent episode. Um, they did some of their usual pitfalls of trying to be too cute, trying to force the storyline. Um, I honestly think the develop like in a lot of ways this deserves a six, but the development of Kramer's character and the actress sort of carrying that off gets the episode an additional point. So I'm I'm gonna settle on a seven. Professor, I think the problem is, is that unlike over on Batwoman, where the Batwoman writers respond to his tweets, the Flash writers don't respond to his tweets. I, I mean, they? to be fair, it, that could be because they see what I tweet about them. Oh, okay. um, but uh, and there was that ugly incident with Candace Patton and the uh, uh, the restraining order. But oh yeah, that's true. Candace Patton, I'll have you know, responds to my tweets. Uh, um, does she know you have a painting of her? Her lawyer responded to your tweets. I mean, <laughs> does she know you have a painting of her? I don't. Haven't we? Haven't we done this several times? Oh, you don't have the painting. That anymore? painting did not make it to Seattle. Oh, I think we knew that. That is that's canon. That is that, canon. that's canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My All love. Right, join for us her next time, Seattle. But. <laughs> Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting with Dimitri. Good night, Central City. And Jeff. Good night, Central City. And I will just say, we got Dimitri to admit that it was a painting of Candace Patton because he usually sort of cleans it up and is like, oh, it's a painting of the cast. So it's on record. It, it was is a painting, a painting oh, of now the he's, cast. Oh, now he's changing it. Mm-hmm. He realized what he said. Good night, Central the City. The whole cast is in it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're looking for some sort of creepy villain who's stalking Iris West Allen, look no further than Dimitri. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Central City Citizen via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.